Welcome back. This is Survived. With Sophie. And Lexi. We started telling our survived stories in college and we're moving on to bring you guys more. Through many different topics. I hope everyone had an amazing Labor Day weekend. Yes, I hope hope you guys had a fun time celebrating labor. I don't really... (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> it was actually really, really hot where I was, so. It was very hot where we were, and let's just say we went tailgating. Um, so my boyfriend and his high school friend came down, and we went tailgating. In all reality, what we really did was his high school friend's girlfriend I was like do you want to go to my parents and just swim for the rest of the afternoon while they stay at the bar and go tailgating so while they drank <laughs> we were in a pool nice. too hot. yeah you had to be by water this weekend or else it was just way too hot to even be outside is yeah were you by water at all yes I actually got to swim in the river for a little bit so that was really nice Cool. It looks like you were on a boat, so I was like, ugh, I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. But today <laughs> we are going to talk about another case. But first Ooh. of all, we are going to do a true crime news update. Breaking news. You know, like the news. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that one. Dun, 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 dun. Um, Chris Watts, if you guys know who Chris Watts is, he um, killed his entire family all to sleep for another woman. woman. Yeah. yeah. Who literally was like, I didn't want that, but um, he did it anyways. He was moved to a Wisconsin prison. They have not named it, um, but he kept getting beat up. Because that's what happens when you kill your own daughters, who are not even over five yet. You're going to get beat up in prison. People don't like people that kill children. Mm -mm. And I know some of our listeners, if you know of the Chris Watts and the Shanann Watts story and everything, what year did that happen? It was like 20... I thought it was like 2015. 15 it was in the teens at some point so you know fairly recent within the last 2018 oh yeah very very recent actually but um i personally don't want to ever cover that you can look that case up yourself you can watch many documentaries about it if you so choose but i feel like that is just such an evil story and it's so heartbreaking that I personally don't think I could cover it no I wouldn't even it's not even worth it like I feel like at that point we're just adding to give him like more gratification yep and it's like it's not even about him anymore it's about the kids and um Shanann Shanann yeah but I mean that's crazy that he moved to a Wisconsin prison Yep. But he's I wonder if it's probably the one gonna... in Portage. Oh, true. I don't know. 
Because there's that's a couple in the front. Though, so. Yeah, there are. There's also one up in uh, Sheboygan. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you get what you get. And you don't throw a fit. <laughs> so, today we are going to be back on our survived cases here. And there is a survivor in this story. However, we are going to put a big trigger warning because there is some violence as well. Just warning you. Um, yes. So we do have to go a little bit into details to kind of explain what happened with this case. Um, it gets pretty messy because he pretty much just kind of went on a rampage. So he... Uh, We have to get in a plane, and we're going to fly over to Germany. And this is the story of the Hammer Killer. Which I don't think I've heard of until you brought it up to me, so. I haven't really heard of this case either, so it was a lot of fun researching a case that I really didn't have any knowledge of. Um, I feel like we don't do enough foreign, like, overseas cases. Like we yeah. do them here and there, but like it's not a very popular thing. But um, mm-hmm. it's not exactly. He's from Germany. Yeah. Yep. But so we got to fly over to Germany, but we are going to come back to the states here and there. Um, but he is from Germany. The killer. All right. Sweet. So, on the night of January 16th, 1984, a gruesome discovery was made at a house on 16300 East Center Drive in Aurora, Colorado. So, there was beaten and, I guess, beaten's the best word, bodies of a husband and wife, sadly, Bruce and Deborah Bennett. They were discovered, and it soon became evident that they were both attacked with a knife, and then they were beaten to death. Um, After searching the house, there was evidence that a struggle had taken place, indicating that they did not know the attacker. And 28-year-old Bruce had jumped into the action when the attacker... um, entered his home, and they both uh, struggled, and Bennett attempted to protect his family, and evidence of wounds caused a blade um, reveal that Bruce attempted to defend himself and the family as the intruder kept swiping and slashing him with a knife, Um, and at some point, yeah, this part, trigger warning, um, in the process of the attacker swiping the knife around, he slit his throat in the process, which delivered a fatal blow. So they think the killer then ascended the staircase and entered the couple's bedroom where the killer, individual suspect, whatever you want to call them, 
they attacked Bruce's wife, 26-year-old Deborah. Wow, these guys are young. Mm-hmm. Who then he sexually assaulted before beating to death. Oh, that's just terrible. Then he found the couple's oldest daughter, Melissa. Her warning. Oh my gosh, who is only seven years old. And she tragically suffered the same fate as her mother. And the family was celebrating her birthday that night. Oh my gosh. That is just terrible. That's awful, yeah. It... <sighs> this is just a really, it's a really hard case. Um, but it's just a very interesting case when we move along more through it. Um, so the couple's youngest daughter, who was three years old, Vanessa, had been attacked by a hammer um, from the assailant, and the hammer had struck her in the jaw, shattering her bone, the jawbone, um, which splintered into small fragments that punctured her windpipe. Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh. He continued to attack her, causing more injuries, but she miraculously held on to her life and was still alive the next morning when her grandmother came over to discover the entire scene. What? So she had a, she's three years old and she had a punctured windpipe and she was alive still the next morning. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm guessing probably like labored breathing, like barely holding on to life. But yeah. She is the survivor in this story. Goodness. So medical professionals weren't sure if the hammer attack would leave Vanessa with permanent brain damage or whatnot. But the girl's family held on to hope that she would make a full recovery. So Vanessa's skull was caved in on the right side of her forehead and a metal plate had to be inserted to kind of reshape her skull, which is so sad. And she suffered some severe injuries to her head, jaw, and neck. She was also left with a shattered pelvis and fell into a coma. I mean, her body probably needed that. Um, So... Rest. Just recuperate, yeah. Like, being awake probably was more pain than it was worth it. So, over time and over many surgeries, um, and the support of her grandparents and her extended family, she began to recover from all of her injuries. Um, but... Living a normal life after losing both of her parents and her sister, who had just been murdered, and the murderer who hadn't been captured yet, seemed to make it a very difficult childhood. Yeah. So here's the worst (laughs) part I kind of want to hone in on, um, because this is in the 80s, we didn't exactly teach kids about bullying, But this is something that she reported on. Um, The worst part about this entire thing was when she finally did recover, the other kids at school would tease her, telling her that the hammer man was going to come and finish her off. 
Oh my goodness. That is awesome. need to get slapped. Like, I'm not saying that, like, we should resort <laughs> to physical violence, but those kids need a good ass whooping. They need their mouths glued shut. Yeah, because that you don't say that to anybody. Mm-mm. When I was researching this case and I saw that little part on there, I, like, I wanted to cry when I was reading that because I was like, I hate kids sometimes, and, like, that makes me hate kids. Hey, here we have... I can't believe they would, like, obviously those kids probably didn't know everything that she went through, but the fact that they said the hammer man was going to come and get her, like, she's already probably scared every day about that growing up. And then having kids at school say that to her is just, like, that is awful. Um, it's... And here's the sad part. They never really wanted to go near Vanessa's home for parties or playdates or anything because they always felt that he would come back and kill them as well if they were at the house. Mm-mm. She, they literally isolated this poor girl after she went through all of this. That's terrible. Absolutely awful. Kids are so mean, actually. They are. They're awful. <laughs> All right, so as she got older, unresolved anger issues, well, obviously she's going to have unresolved anger issues. I would too if I were her. So these unresolved anger issues caused Vanessa to clash with her grandmother, who had become her primary caretaker after the death of her parents. Although she had no memory of the attack, what happened that night of 1984 would kind of negatively impact her for the rest of her life which is really sad her head was constantly just having thoughts going around of her parents you know kind of who were they what kind of people were they were why did they have to get murdered why was she was the only one that survived which is isn't that like a survivor's guilt yeah she felt Yeah, I mean, especially if you don't even, you never got the chance to know your parents or your sister, and it's taken away from you at three years old. Yeah. And not only that she was left with all those physical injuries and scars, which was a reminder, she also was left with ADHD, PTSD, and bipolar disorder. Goodness. As an adult, she developed a drug habit and became an addict. She left her hometown and moved to Arizona, at one point spending half a year homeless, actually, living under a bridge. Which is just awful. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the way the system failed her for letting that happen, especially with something like this happening to you and you have absolutely no control... And you have kids at school that are singling you out. No one wants to hang out with you because they think that the book, the hammer killer is going to come back. Um, it's just a really sad story of what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forth into our second 
um, murder of this, of the hammer killer. Um, police were able to link um, the murder of the Bennett family with another um, sexual assault and murder that had happened a week before. And this was on the week of the 10th of January when a woman in her 50s named Patricia Smith had been murdered in her own home in a townhouse in Green Mountain um, Lakewood, which was just about 25 minutes from Aurora, Colorado, um, which so, was the Bennett's home. So not too far away from them. No. Um, the police found her posed with her arms crossed over her chest as if she was in a coffin. And what? he, like, positioned her. Yeah. Obviously, he couldn't do that with the last couple because they fought back. Um, and Patricia Smith's cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. And you want to know what the murder weapon was? A hammer. Yeah, I was like, I think we can guess it was a hammer. It was a hammer. That is just creepy. Like, uh, yeah, unsettling. <laughs> Yep. I know. I'm glad none of our listeners can see my face right now because I'm just like scrunching it all up. <laughs> no, I know. I remember someone asked us if we could record us recording like a video and I'm like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't really know. We're just sitting here in our PJs. <laughs> I got penguin pants on. Like, I don't really need the world <laughs> beating my penguin pants. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But, yeah, that is, that's pretty crazy. So, they they definitely connected those two probably pretty fast. There are um, two more attacks that we're going to go over real quick here um, because the main, uh, really the main story of the Hammer Killer was, uh, was Patricia Smith. Um, and the Bennett family. Mm-hmm. So on the 4th of January, James and Kimberly Housbandchild were also attacked with a hammer at their home in Aurora, but they both survived. So is this the same year? Yeah. Yep. It's all within like the same week, pretty much. Oh, so wow. it's a rampage. Another resident, Donna Dixon, was also struck with a hammer. She, too, survived the attack, although she was first in a coma for some time. So, um, to kind of give, like, a little recap, um, the first attack happened on January 16th of 1984. And then we have to jump back to January 10th. And then January 4th, and then um, I want to say Donna Dixon was January 1st, so it all kind of happened within the month of January, all in 1984, for a little timeline, because we had to go backwards. The story Mm kind of goes backwards, and then we'll go forwards again after just (laughs) kind of jumping backwards in a timeline. Reverse, reverse. (laughs) Isn't that a song? Yeah. Hmm. 
So due to technology not being advanced enough in the 80s, the case went cold for 30 years. Investigators um, never really forgot about the Hammer murders, uh, obviously because a seven-year-old girl was lost, um, nor did the town of Aurora. And for years, the authorities and true crime sleuths would always try to identify the individual who was responsible for the murders and the assault that had happened way back in 1984. Wait. So, I'm getting really creeped out now. Did this guy ever get caught? We'll get there. Okay. But it was cold for 30 years. Yeah. It went unsolved. He went on a rampage in January of 1984, and then it just went cold for 30 years. Like, nothing ever happened after that. But we'll, we'll get to the end of the story, and then you'll... Sophie didn't read the end of the story. No, I, I don't like to surprise myself. That I was getting a little creeped out. Like, I need to make sure all my doors are locked tonight. Um. <laughs> no, we'll go... We'll, there's a... It's kind of a plot twist, but... Um, All right, keep going. I I need to hear what happens. They investigated, um, obviously, the crime scenes, and they had collected um, enough evidence and DNA that was stored um, from 1984. Since they did not know the Hammer Killer's identity at the time, they issued a warrant for the... Arrest of John Doe on three counts of murder, attempted murder, felony murder, two counts of sexual assault, two counts of child sexual assault. Basically, everything, the worst rap sheet that you could ever get in the book. Um, Hoping that at some point in the future, it could help identify um, who the assailant was. And for 30 years, he was still undiscovered. And that was until the Nevada police had put his DNA into CODIS. And this is 30 years later. Nevada police had put DNA from this guy into CODIS. Um, and he was there from a... He had been in prison for a unrelated crime. Not connected to those. Oh... My goodness. You know, that's that's crazy. Um, I want to say when I was researching this that he had been in prison for a couple other things. And this was kind of when they started taking everyone's um, DNA samples and putting it into the database kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of takes a while when you start in- implementing like a new system. So it did take a while. I'm sure that uh, when CODIS came this, around. This is why I think that's a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I like that idea. You lose um, your privilege when you decide to do something stupid like that. Yeah, I think they can have your DNA then, because what if you've done other stuff in the past that's not been solved yet? Like, then we can figure that out and help the family and the victims. Yep. You know? it just win-win there. Yep. Um, and this perpetrator's name was Alex Ewing. And man, oh man, did he have a rap sheet. Oh, goodness. What else did he do? 
He's not a nice guy, first of all. He's crazy. Um, <laughs> he crazy. Well, crazy. He had an endless amount of violent crimes, and they were described um, as many sexual assaults. He always um, he was known for jumping people, beating people up, just like some weird tendencies. Um, and he just was not a nice man, and he was in uh, jail for I want to say like ten years at that point in prison. Oh goodness! For sex, some type of sexual assault charge, and the Denver Post had described him as a. After he had murdered the Bennets, he went into another house of a man in the Kingman, Arizona, and then he attempted to bludgeon this man to death with a 20-pound rock. After he just committed, they connected him to this after he had committed the Bennett family murders. So basically, his main thing to do was just to hit people with some type of really heavy object. Um... Dude, you need help. Like, that's not okay. No, he's crazy. He was arrested for the crime of um, attempting to bludgeon this man to death. And he went on to escape from from the prison transport during a gas station break. They were just putting some gas in and he broke out. That same night that he, yeah, he was like, I'm not going to prison. And then he, anyways, he went back to prison. Didn't really work out for him. (laughs) a good thing. But going back to the night that he did escape, he broke into another couple's house and then tried to attack the male of the home. And then he went on and continuously beat the man's wife as she attempted to shield her husband from the blows of an axe handle while the husband was able to call 911. Wow. Uh, yeah, he what? is always, he's angry about something. Um, during the attack, he did not stop hitting her the entire time. And this was when she realized she they both should just play dead in order to get him to stop. And ever since this attack, because he didn't stop, obviously he didn't leave after she had called 911. He has been locked up since, and he is not allowed to go in and out of vans. Um, he gets carried through a cage. Like, when they transport him, he gets put in a cage. No way. That's, like, bad. I didn't know that they do that. If you break out of prison one time, they literally just, you get labeled as that, and that's what you get, is you get transported in a cage if they have to move you from a prison. Yeah. So, like, if the car... It means, like, they can't trust you to even be a decent human being and follow directions. No. Nope. So, um, in 2021, the trial for the Bennett family murders, Alex Ewing was found guilty. Um, 
He was never a suspect in the gruesome 1984 murders, but with DNA evidence, they were able to link him to both the Bennett and the Smith murder cases. And prosecutors finally found a way to reopen the cold cases after three decades. That is crazy. I am so thankful for this and technology in today's snaps era. for DNA, snaps for DNA, love DNA for Dana, <laughs> Dana, Dana. We love Dana. <laughs> and following the ground baking, breaking, not baking. We are not baking anything. Following this groundbreaking discovery. He went on trial, and these are the charges that he was charged with. He was guilty of first-degree murder, and he received a life sentence for each murder. Um, and that same year, he, when he went on trial for Patricia Smith's murder, it resulted in a mistrial, and the victim's family had to wait for another trial in 2022. For him to be convicted. Oh. But they still found him guilty. Okay. Eventually found him guilty. Either way, he's not getting out because listen to this part. Before he was found guilty on the Bennett family murders and the Smith murders, he was already serving a 110-year-long sentence for an attempted murder in Nevada. Oh, my Not Arizona, not Colorado, nowhere else. But on a different murder charge of attempted murder in Nevada, he was already serving 110 years. So just tack on, uh, you know, all those other ones. So, in total, he is serving four life sentences plus 110 years. And... I hope that he gets I hope someone finally figured out that he killed a little girl because I hope they beat him up now and I don't wish that for anybody but when you're a horrible person please just karma will get back to you that's what I believe in I believe in karma if you do horrible things horrible things will eventually come back to you if you do nice happy things then you're gonna get nice happy things in return that's how the world works. I'm convinced. <laughs> but yeah, I have never heard of this guy before. I've never heard of these cases. So thank you, Lexi, for kind of bringing this to light and bringing this case to like our attention, I guess. This is a crazy case. It, it's just so sad, too, because the one of the survivors of the Bennett family murder, which is the only survivor, Vanessa, um, when I was reading about her, she really struggled to deal with her emotions. She didn't know how to deal with her emotions. Um, she said she was always super angry, um, struggled with talking about them, never really could sleep. Um, and one way that she coped with it was smoking weed and 
she started drinking and then started doing cocaine. And when she went down a bad path. Yep. When she was 19, she had a son who was taken away from her. um, And he was only three months old. She does know her son and she has met him. He is with a, an amazing family. He was adopted. um, But she feels um, very evil for not being able to be in her son's life. Because she feels in a way that her, because of her family being taken away, and then he was taken away because of the decisions that she made, she feels evil for that, for not being in his life. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, no one helped her. I mean, her grandparents probably didn't know how to help her. Yeah, they were probably grieving at the same time as she was but they and she was a child yeah. like she definitely needed a a professional's help and i don't know i mean obviously we don't know if she got professional help at all but she definitely needed that for a long period of time probably her entire life with everything that she had to deal with cuz that is some that is some heavy heavy stuff to digest that you've been through And she said she can go from zero to 100 very easily. She struggles even to this day because I think she's in her 60s now. Mm-hmm. Um, she really struggles with her emotions. Yeah, that's, that's really sad. Um, but she is married. She is... Um, in a better place now, she has said she doesn't do any drinking or drugs or anything like that. She is on a disability. Um, she does have a husband, and they are getting by, she says. And they're happy and getting by, and they're trying. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's always nice to hear about what survivors afterwards. Um mm-hmm. And shout out to James and Kimberly Housebenchild and Donna Dixon, who all survived as well. Yes, they're all alive. Um, I think in a way that Vanessa kind of overshadowed that, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean... She... It's just so sad what happened afterwards of everything. Um mm-hmm. But there isn't really a whole lot about the other three survivors. Um, It's okay for survivors to, a lot of them, the time, choose not to really talk about what happened. Or ever. Yeah. Kind of forget it happened. They don't want to talk about it, yeah. It's just gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys learned something new today. Because I sure did. Um, I did. It was, it's always fun researching cases that are just kind of old like this and not very Mm -hmm. well heard of, especially with the gruesomeness of this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that this guy has been linked to many more attempted murders, but these are just, um, 
the ones that so far have been confirmed. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, the more our technology advances, the more cases that will start back, like opening back up and the more things are going to get solved. That's just how it's going to be. Exactly. It's going to be exciting. Super excited. Especially with the new program put in place with CODIS. Um, I think, I don't remember what level of crime that they take your DNA, but pretty much if you've ever been arrested. It's felonies, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, felonies. Yeah, usually when you commit a felony, you get a lot of your rights taken away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of them. You broke some big laws there, bucko. Big no-no. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, if any of our listeners have any cases or spooky stories or anything you guys want to talk about, send them our way. Because we'll talk about them. Yes. And don't forget to follow our Instagram. And like us and rate us on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple. We are found on those um, little website thingies. And it'll be fun. Yeah. We also have an email if you need to email us. Our Gmail. Yep. At gmail.com. Anyways, so this has been Survived with Sophie and Lexi. Bye, guys. Bye. Toodaloo.